Darby Cast Monday Sports back after kind of a thin week. Last week, you may have noticed that both Monday and Friday were no releases. And there's a good reason for that. There always is. And uh, look no further than Kyle, who was on a spirit quest. He went out to Joshua Tree and he took some he took some extracurriculars and he found out what, what was it, Kyle? Yeah, it's a jackalope. That's your spirit animal. Right on, man. Well, it's. Kyle, a little professionalism. Maddie J is here because it's sports. It's Monday. Maddie J, you haven't been here in shoot a couple weeks, maybe a month, but is the entire Darby cast cast and crew and myself, especially boy, am I excited to have you back caffeinated and lubricated, but still a little upset. Kyle didn't invite us. You want to take that lubricated comment and um, just maybe walk it back. Maybe take another stab at that opener. <laughs> I meant the pipes. The pipes are lubricated. Come on now. <laughs> well, the old lubra dubra chubra cabras. I didn't win a Grammy for nothing. That's huge. So Matty J. Let's jump right into sports because people are fiending for it. Why don't we dip into the UFC? I mean, I'm not a big UFC guy, but we know some guys who are bigger into UFC. We showed up. We showed up for a pay-per-view event last night, did we not? We did. Big title match last night, Miocic and DC Cormier, and it was his last fight. And this was the trilogy, so the final battle. And boy, did he show up. Looking like a kegerade. Good old DC. It looked as if he was just quarantine training. Zero cardio and a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, boy. A um, lot of cheese on that burger. That was, um, whew. Yeah, I mean, we commented on how lazy his kicks looked. It was like, what, dude, why are you throwing them? They're just tuckering you out. And boy, were there a lot of serious shots to the belly. Now, I'm not a big fight aficionado, but punches to the tum-tum, I, I can't imagine that feels good. He was just letting it happen the whole time. You know, we didn't really talk about this in pre-screening, but I'm, I'm in rehearsals. I was thinking, who are some all-time great athletes with just big old Buddha bellies? Well, First one that comes to mind to me is pitcher David Wells, lefty, New York Yankees, he stood about six, eight, and probably weighed all of 350. Yeah, that's a tall drink of water and a wide. Um, uh, <laughs> Just wide and outside. Yeah, that's a double wide <laughs> trailer. But I obviously, I go to fighting immediately. I think Butterbean, like, oh, yeah. You made it, if you made it past the 32nd mark of the first round of a Butterbean fight, like, you're fine. But, right. like, those first 30 seconds, you're in a lot of trouble. No doubt. Even Eddie Curry, basketball player, I, I think he maybe had a three-inch vert, but he could clear the whole paint with just one jab step. That's great. I mean, who doesn't love a big bag of chips, you know? <laughs> like, just a big old... Hunk a chunk, hefty bag. I think about thick, wide bodies. I think they're lovable. They're Lawrence, lovable characters. Like Lawrence Funderburk, for sure. Right. They're a lot like Steph Curry in the opposite sense, where he's small and uh, he makes you think that anybody can play basketball. So any big guy who drives a big rig and has a terrible diet could be an athlete. 
I love that. Just never making assumptions about a really fat guy. He'd be like, you could be like a kind of a sprinter in your sport of choice, whether it's competitive hot dog eating or (laughs) gassing in fastballs for the Yankees. Exactly. So as we loop back to DC. Yeah, why not? Last night he showed up and he was throwing some pretty, pretty effortless kicks, shall we say. I don't know how he got it above his waistline, but it kind of looked like it was just a, a high five of the leg as he just tossed it out there. It made no impact on Miacic, and unfortunately, DC got his his hiney handed to him. Miacic it looked like a, a like a Bond supervillain. I'm not gonna lie; I feel like he would fit that role fine. But uh, DC boy, he just looked like he worked uh, as a greeter at Costco. And ate all the samples. That's like what is his body, the cells in his body, 85% of those Costco samples. Yeah. And that was kind of a vintage fight by, let's just say, the the old age standard. Mm -hmm. DC, 41 years young. And and Stipe, that dude was, uh, what, 37? Correct. Those are some old dudes just kind of slugging it out, right? Isn't that, isn't beating the crap out of another man? Isn't that kind of a young man's game? It should be, but when you really have nothing else to lean back on and no proper education, unfortunately, this is what you got to do. Are you saying Stipe isn't writing poetry? He's not. I'm saying Stipe was an extra in a Rocky movie, and since they're not making those anymore, this is what he's got left. Wow. They told him like years ago, like, you're going to be the next Drago. You're going to be the next Ivan Drago. Right. You're going to do fine, brother. <laughs> like, And then and then it just didn't happen. <laughs> and Sly Stallone just said, I'm going to be an expendable. And Stipe was left on the streets. That really hurts because I think Stipe would be fine in that in uh, the Expendables uh, series. Why the hell not? You're probably right. I mean, I don't know how much English he knows, but then again, Sly Stallone, you can barely understand anyways. Wasn't it great when Sly Stallone did the brisk iced tea commercials? Do you remember when brisk iced tea was really peaking? This is totally sports talk. And they did a claymation commercial with Sly Stallone. It was... It had the aesthetics of the MTV show Celebrity Deathmatch. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember Celebrity Deathmatch. Yeah, and, the, and um, his uh, his corner man in, in the commercials like, Rock, you're getting killed out there. And then it just Stallone, he just pops in with like, yeah, I don't know, I can't even concentrate. And that was it. And then he got a brisk and then he kicked the crap out of the guy. Like, long story short, where's the iced tea? I feel like the entire country could use a little brisk iced tea. So what you're saying is, get me a cold drink, brother. I'm I'm just waiting to get you a cold drink. At the end of the day, that's that's what we're all waiting on, is just to get each other a cold drink. Fair play. So DC's retired. Miacic is still the heavyweight champ. And Cormier actually is a pretty good color commentator. So he'll end up he'll end up calling games and being a part of the UFC in the future. And and God bless him. Oh, I mean, he spoke eloquently after um, the fight, and boy, his eye was jacked up to high health. That was just really off-putting. A nice little poke my go and going in uh, straight to his eye hole. They were fighting like a couple of third graders in the cu- first couple of rounds. A couple of eye pokes, a little bit of a uh, little bit of mean talk, but they you know they got through it. Let's move on because UFC. I'm tired of it already. Ten four. Kyle, what's next on the show notes? Uh, Ayahuasca, Kyle. Kyle. How are you doing, buddy? Eat a banana. Come on. <laughs> you look dehydrated. Get it together. Okay, Kyle, you got Alex Smith, Washington football team, 
QB. I uh, I don't know what's going on with this. So, Matty J, why don't you just fill everybody in? Well, this is a sad story, but Washington QB Alex Smith has now been cleared to come off the physically unable to perform list. Oh, pup. Of which he's been on that list for over two and a half years now because of an absolutely frightening and disgusting injury that happened to him where he had multiple compound fractures of one leg and he had 17 surgeries to follow and he almost lost his life. Why he still wants to play is beyond me. So he can air it out with that crazy arm of his and bomb it down the sidelines 20 yards. Yeah, I think there's probably some contractual stuff on there too where if he, you know, steps on the field and he can play a few games that he'll actually get some of the money that he still had from that contract. I have no idea. Why doesn't he just take a page out of Tony Romo's book and immediately retire to the announcer's booth? Like, that, that I think seems... there's, there's still money left on the table, I think. And that's why he's doing it. Or pride. Everybody loves a comeback story. Mike Vick killed a dog and uh, Alex Smith lost a leg. A dog? Plural. Right. Yeah, that's... Um, I wonder if... You know, we've talked about this. What's the future of sport with all these lockdowns, with the economy spiraling uh, down into an inescapable void? What kind of sports are going to make a comeback? Probably ones that aren't that chill by modern standards, right? Dogfighting, cockfighting. I think um, just let Vic organize it. He did a good job at organizing. And wasn't he, didn't he do that whole thing under the alias Ron Mexico? Like if you come up with, with a stage name as a dog fighting kingpin, Ron Mexico, I think that plays. That name packs a lot of heat. <laughs> and it's also very, very difficult to pinpoint where that person may be from. Oh, listen, Ron Mexico. Yeah. The guy's from Tahiti. <laughs> like. <laughs> But if you saw Ron Mexico and looked at Mike Vick and that was the name on his driver's license, what would you assume? Dominican? I'd assume that that guy just, he knows a couple things that I don't. Yeah, witness <laughs> protection right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. That they really just phoned it in and uh, in a uh, little Witsack. Just, yeah, no, no problems there. So let's bring this into something. <laughs> um, let's move away from... Alex Smith, who, you know, hey, we wish him well, but listen, man, like you don't, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. Like you already did okay on the 49ers. You did okay for the Chiefs. Like, good job, man. Well, just talk about how much of a liability that could be if he actually steps out there this season, takes a couple snaps and around the corner comes Jadavian Clowney, not really, you know, tone sensitive to what's happening in the moment and just does his normal routine and, and obliterates quarterbacks for a living. And he just takes out that leg and it explodes. And Alex Smith's in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. What a bad look that would be. Well, you know, you've seen that happen in high school games where legs are lost. Yeah, well, no. I mean, you get the, the, the kind of make-a-wish inspirational kid sure. who's been struggling. And the football team says, hey, we're going to do this for you, Timmy. And, and Timmy's mom's like, well, I don't know. And Timmy's like, no, mom, I want to do it. And then he takes a snap and, and they're playing, they're doing it live. And I guess maybe one kid on the other team doesn't really hear what's going on. And Timmy's, Timmy's taking a nice gentleman's stroll uh, of a carry, not really 
not really staying low to the ground, not making a whole lot of uh, athletic cuts. And Timmy gets hurt in a big way by a kid who thought this is the biggest freebie tackle of all time. <laughs> like This you're is gonna, his highlight reel. Yeah. And then that kid gets wrecked. Is that going to be something that the Washington coaching staff communicates to opposing teams like, hey, we're just going to let Alex Smith run this one in. So, like, could you just call your guys off on this one? Just do it for the fans. He's wearing an imaginary red shirt. Right. Don't touch him. Let him shoot the ball. (laughs) Listen, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But let's move on. Kyle, what do you got next for us, huh, pal? I love that you took these show notes and put them together, Kyle, because it's rare that this show has any structure whatsoever. I know I like to go in and disco pretty hard, but Kyle, I love the new leaf you turned over when you got really dehydrated out in J tree and had some experiences with native American spirits from a nameless tribe. I think we transitioned to basketball. Uh, I love that Portland trailblazers round one Western conference playoffs starting Tuesday, six o'clock. Get your tacos, grab a friend, and let's root for a little Pacific Northwest. Wow. So, I'll tell you who the country is rooting against. Hollywood? Wow. You know, you just bring up an interesting point. Who does the country at large dislike more right now? The people of Portland or just still that L.A. vibe? Like, it's real easy to hate on the the L.A. socialites and the people who lecture you on how to live your life when they live fairly colorful lifestyles themselves. Right. But then you got Portland and boy, Portland's been a heck of a show. It's been what they're, they're probably they're pushing 80 days of uh, sustained chaos there. So nationally controlled chaos, if you will, like, a, like an old Phoenix suns, Dan Tony offense. <laughs> Just get up as many shots as you can. That's the other it. team's going to get tired. And that's probably how the Portland PD feels right now. Yeah. A little tuckered out. War of attrition at these uh, Steve Nash style characters just throwing lobs to their Sean Marions. That's right. Wow. Well, I mean, what a call out. Who do you think the national pick is? Like who... Who, who are people, folks rooting for or who do I think is going to actually come out of it? Who this? do you think people are rooting for first off? And then who, who do you think is going to come out of it? Because I want to say Lakers are coming out of it, but I just want to know who you think people hate more right now. I think there's still a lot of Laker haters out there. And it's a bummer because COVID happened almost right after Kobe's death. So all that momentum of playing for his honor and legacy kind of got lost in the mix. And... Then a couple of Lakers players decided not to go to Orlando and play for reasons that are probably respectable, worried about their loved ones and families at home. And so they didn't join their teammates. So now they're a weaker team. I don't know. And, and Portland's sort of a lovable team. And they, they struggled to make the playoffs. They had really a no chance to get in there once they joined the bubble. Then they had an amazing record and knocked off a bunch of teams and slid into the eighth position after a play-in game versus Memphis. And they've got Carmelo Anthony, who's been reborn. And, uh, you know, Carmelo and LeBron famously entered the league together at the same time. And uh, when they came in, Carmelo was sort of the big brother. And right now, LeBron's taken over the world. So, sure. I think, I think Portland's got probably the, the fan-friendly vote. I mean, I, I think that folks are really rooting for them. And, and, and an upset could happen. 
Okay. Well, I mean, listen, I've always liked Damian Lillard. I think the dude's got just skills on top of skills. I always hoped that we could get him on the show. Yeah. Get him to the lake show and get him the heck out of the Pacific Northwest where, listen, these people, they're just out in the streets and they're, you know, they're throwing down with officers of the law and hitting them with like slam poetry and burlap sacks full of artisanal cheese and it's like Lillard could be worse. It, uh, right. But like Lillard, is that who you are? Is that what you represent is a bag of artisanal cheese? Cause I think you're more than that. Yeah. Lillard's from Oakland. If anything, he's just chucking goat cheese. Wow. That's, that's not bad. That's not bad. Well, what's going on in the East? Does anyone care? Not really. Not until the end. And I think it's probably going to be a battle between Milwaukee with the Greek freak and probably either Philly or Boston. But again, no one really cares. Smart. Clippers, they're still kind of the dark horse, quiet. They could end up emerging in the West and be in the Western Conference Finals. I don't know versus who. You got Houston, you got Dallas, you got Denver, all good young teams. It should make for a fun, fun playoffs because no one's going to have home field advantage per se. No one's going to have their home crowds. It's all in a neutral site and everybody's kind of playing with a bunch of unknowns. So. Well, you've continued watching games. I watched about two or three games when they uh, kicked everything back off. And, you know, I remember taking naps because I was just like, this is inner squad scrimmage level intensity. It is the sheer number of turnovers per game. Like, I'd love to pull up the numbers on that. Kyle, quick project. The average turnovers per game, free Bubble versus post bubble, it's got to be glaring. What you're saying is it's been some sloppy play. A hundred percent. Yeah. They're just not putting a good product out there. And then the whole thing, just the presentation overall is very strange. It's very strange. And it's one thing, you know, here's what I'll say, and this is probably unpopular, but that's kind of what I say often is, you know, sports for sure is a vehicle for social and political change, but it usually came at the individual level. It's very interesting now to see such a corporate level kind of social justice movement. But then you also understand the NBA's relationship with China and the Chinese Communist Party. And then you start to kind of connect some dots. I mean, Illuminati Michael sure do it probably uh, on the next time when I say, hey, NBA and the CCP, what's their interplay? add a dash of BLM. What does it all mean? What do you got for me? And I think that's going to end up being a four hour conversation just off of one question, but I don't think it's necessarily unrelated. I mean, it's, it's, you can probably speak to this. Like it's interesting how sports, how all these movements, they get hijacked by really the establishment, right? Because people who think that all these protests are like quote unquote, anti-establishment are kidding themselves, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that Nike stock has almost doubled since COVID. Nike has, uh, they've got the set of stones on them. Phil Knight has the set of stones to say like, hey, listen here, Americans, you're all bad people. Now let me go back to China where I utilize slave labor to make your shoes and then make great margins. I'm Phil Knight. I am big ethics. <laughs> like it's just not there. I mean, the, the, the amount of lecturing that comes from, from some of these large organizations on the finer points of 
ethics and justice. They're just laughable because there's just such a double standard. But I know we're getting off the, the topic of playoffs. But just to comment that, you know, sports is certainly has been always will be a vehicle for social and political messaging here and there. It's just interesting to see it get completely contorted to a league wide level of, I want to say, political and economic 69ing. You won't. Right. I, I'm not in that kind of position. <laughs> I'm not trying to 69 with China. So they are, Kyle, they are contortionists. Kyle, hit the show notes. What's next? Come on. Put it up on the screen, Kyle. Kyle, I can barely read your writing. There it is. Next on the scene is a fun little story. We're going we're gonna to pivot to something a little more cheery, but a bit risky. In the Seattle Seahawks uh, training camp, rookies and some vets have reported to camp getting ready for this upcoming football season. They're in their own private bubbles, if you will, with all players and staff accounted for. Rookie defensive back decided that had been a little long, a bit of a dry spell. He just wasn't going to make it throughout this bubble without getting a little orange tang, if you will. So he dressed up a lady of the night, friend of his, who knows, in Seattle Seahawks gear. Wow. Actually put her in a helmet, some pads, and some official <laughs> garment. And he walked her through the hallway and got her into his room. And... uh I don't think that anybody bought it. And certainly there's cameras in there and to see probably a, a not too intimidating five, three football player all dressed up, maybe weighing 120 pounds wet. You could have gotten away with that when the Grammatica brothers were in the league, the kickers, Martin and Bill, because they were actually about five, three, 120 apiece. True. But, but boy, kickers and DBs don't hang out all that often. No, I don't think that's the, or, or what do we know? Right. Maybe that's like the unsung friendships. That's of the, the chess league. club. Oh, hundred percent. DBs. You got Richard Sherman and uh, who's, who's kicking for the, for the Hawks now, Kyle, send it. Look, look it up. Seahawks kicker. Jason Myers. Yeah. So wow. is it Myers and Sherman? They have like the chess club. He Sherman, you did last summer. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, Sherman, he's obviously going to, he's sponsored by pistachios. He's going to bring a bowl of nuts and Jason Myers is going to be like, Hey, all right, checkmate. Come on, Sherman, let's hang out. But you know, we've kind of talked about this is these players are used to living the party lifestyle, the lavish lifestyle, going out, hitting clubs, hitting bars, going cool places, restaurants, vacationing, you name it. And all of a sudden they're being told like, Hey, you beautiful butterfly, you're going to have to, uh, we're going to smash your wings. You're just going to be a regular caterpillar and you're just going to run the ball. Right. You're under our thumb and you're no longer in that AAU, uh, you know, have whatever you want, do whatever you want. And we're going to tell you that essentially you're, uh, what was that character Ray Allen played in that movie? Something Jesus. Yeah. Are you, talk, are, are you talking about he got game? He did have game. Yeah. That was a great movie. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> these kids are being told as men now. Was that the last name? Shuttlesworth? Yeah, it was. Jesus Shuttlesworth. Fantastic. So anyway, poor kids kicked off the team. He just wanted to get some ass. What's the league minimum? On ass? No, but that's also a good question. I was going to say, what's the league minimum on a contract? So like you're, you're hitting the player's minimum for a season. What is it? I think it probably just depends when he was drafted. He was a rookie, but you know, let's just say it's five, 700 grand, something like that. Could you 
Is that ass worth 700 grand? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Could you so put you a quick little time out and be like, ah, maybe I could just be a pro and do that a laptop. Yeah. Maybe I could just do my job and, and not compromise Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has a wife. He has. Well, you can't compromise him, nor can you compromise our elderly coach. I think he's the oldest coach in the league. PC? Yeah. Is he really now? True story. How yeah. old do you think Pete Carroll is? I bet she can't get within three years of it. I should definitely know this. I, I would say he's 71. That would make the most sense to me. He's 71. He's 68 and you're with him three years. So with that, I owe you a starburst. Wow. That's yeah. Hell yeah. Um, no, but Pete is, Pete is young at heart. He always has been. I mean, if you talk to any players who have ever played for the fella, he's very much a hype man and, and a big kid. People love to play for coach Carroll because He's very well studied in positive psychology, and a lot of people don't know that about him. But way back early in his Seahawks coaching days, he was one of the forerunners when it came to bringing on sports psychologists on staff. And he just has an entirely different mindset and program of, of how he gets guys dialed in and motivated. He's always playing music at the practice. Practice is fun. Practice is fun. He makes everything fun and people love playing for Pete. I mean, we've got a buddy who played for played for Pete. We were hanging out with him the other day playing a little volley and he's got nothing but good things to say about Coach Carroll. So father time be damned. What you're saying is Pete screwing with his players medulla oblongata. <laughs> That's not going to be on the test. <laughs> you're fine. So, Kyle, you got what's next? College football? The list just says NC2A. I see it. All right. I'm going to turn this one over to Matty J. NC2A football. What do we got? What are your thoughts? Is it happening? It's a real tricky line to walk, brother. Essentially, we're asking these guys to go out there and play, audition for bigger contracts, better lives, future. Most of them probably won't make the NFL, though, and they're just guys that are going to end up working at Enterprise. Good corporate structure. Great. And it makes you wonder... Is there too much of a liability there? Then these uh, players started to unionize, got a little smart, found some attorneys in the room. And now they're thinking, hey, if we do play, what we want is we want health insurance from this COVID six plus years after we're done with college and we basically move on with our lives and retire. Smart. So if anything happens to them, because there's been some talks about bigger guys and heart issues strictly uh, related to COVID, then they're going to be protected and taken care of. They also want some money. Uh, some revenue sharing to be able to play. And I think with all that, college football just said, you know what? Why don't we just cancel all of it? You guys can just hang out in your dorm rooms or go home and do whatever you need to do. And uh, and good luck. It's just a hard negotiation tactic. I mean, football earns too much money for these schools, for all the networks that show the college football. I think you can try to take a hard stance and say, you ain't playing, but I think it's going to happen. And I think that's a fine thing to do for athletes is give them a healthcare program, COVID or not. Just say, hey, like we know you guys are pushing your bodies to the limit. You're doing good things. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with taking care of athletes and paying them a little scratch on the side because, yeah, you're right. The truth is most athletes who make it to college who are still by any reasonable metric, they're still incredible elite level athletes, even if they don't make it to the next level, they do need some kind of compensation. And let's be honest, the 
the university system in our country is turning into a complete joke. So let's not act like we care about educating these kids in the first place because nearly every school is really just shuffling their student athletes through. You and I, we both know college athletes. We dipped into some college athletics ourselves. And you know that there's that pipeline, that funnel to get athletes through school with the path of least resistance. And for the athletes who don't end up going to the next level and making that scratch, boy, is that just doing a raging disservice to those kids who are getting into what should be very life altering organizations in terms of their positive impact with the alumni network with the critical thinking skills. And it's just not that. So kid, what are you going to do with that pottery degree? Yeah. uh, I took some upper division Phoenician pottery courses and we threw down and the professor, we all smoked weed and that was it. Like, is that what college is now? Give the kid an A and let him play. (laughs) That's it. I, I hate to see college athletics in the state that they're in right now. I mean, you and I, we've talked about this before. We know about the glory days of college athletics. I mean, we've talked about it certainly relative to basketball when guys would say three, four years, it's a better product when, you know, college football, when it wasn't so much of a show, I mean, it's always been a good show and it's always fun to watch sports, but I think the athletes are completely hip to the fact like, wait, you guys are printing money with this in a way that is obscene. It's so over the top that the fact that you won't throw us a bone in terms of like, you know, a healthcare package, you know, pay our premiums for six years once you shell out 40 grand or whatever it is. Right. But then your average Rush Limbaugh is going to say, hey, we're giving you a free education, a free roof over your head. And you know what? We're giving you the opportunity to showcase yourself to make millions of dollars. Well, that's not wrong either. It's not, but there's got to be something in the middle. And it's not Malcolm. Either way, of the Power Five conferences, two of them have already said we're going to play in the spring and we're not going to play in the fall. That'd be the Pac-12, California, big blue state, big bunch of pussies. And then you got the Big Ten. (laughs) Got the Big Ten. Just a bunch of fat cats just saying, hey, we're going to get sued to high heavens and we don't want to pay this. Just leave it alone. But you've got the SEC. And uh, as it's always been said, football, God and country and not necessarily in that order. So I think that they're still going to play, believe it or not. And that's your Alabama, that's your Clemson, and others that are usually in the mix. Clemson. LSU. That's right. And I think that should make for some amazing television. And quite frankly, they're the better teams anyway. You know, when it comes down to the playoffs and it comes down to the end of the season, they're the best teams to begin with. You say Big Ten, Pac-10, and SEC are essentially the major leagues of college sports? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Well, you know, I was talking to my buddy, you know him, NFL insider, and he has got a major affinity for college ball. He played it and he was saying, let's use this opportunity to really start exploring the college playoffs, the college playoffs where we have a quick short seeding round. And then we seed all the teams have a small playoff bracket, 16 teams make it. And then that would end up being a much more appropriate 
kind of controlled environment, because if the stage, if we were using one location or two locations, maybe three, four max, you've got a lot more of an opportunity to keep things under control, depending on how seriously they're going to have to take the whole COVID thing, which I think they'll have to take it fairly seriously. No, you're right. COVID really dialed this in to be an opportune moment where each different division of football or each different section of the country would play amongst their own division. And then a Hunger Games-esque finale where one team would rise from that and then head to the bubble to face the other champions of their divisions. Yeah, that would have been fun. I think it still could be fun. I mean, why would that be off the table? Because I still think the SEC with Texas and those guys, they're still going to play this fall. They don't care. You go to Texas right now, go to Florida right now, go to Louisiana right now, go to Mississippi right now. Things are ticking along as normal. You want to get a haircut? You want to get your nails done? You want to go to bite to eat inside? All at the same time. You want to screw your sister? It's fine. It's all good. Well, that's a different kind of lifestyle. Just get a berm, get a pedicure and cheeseburger and and then have some kind of weird looking mutant baby. Um, that's what it's all about. Guess it is for some. Um, Quick little change, if I may. Do you want to interject real quick? Yeah, why not? I don't think that there's any coincidence to the fact that you know how LeVar Ball was trying to take down college basketball. LeVar I thought Ball. you were going to say the entire state of China. True. LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball's dad, the BBB creator and just overall wingnut, was trying to take down college basketball by creating his own league, by showcasing and highlighting his sons who were going to forego playing in college and thereby playing in this new league that he created for money. And then incentivizing all kids across the country that they don't need to sort of kowtow to this big corporate college basketball structure and have to go play for two years or one year and then go to the league and learn about, you know, some get a degree in something they're never going to use for the rest of their lives. Cause they're just gonna be making more money than the, their teachers. But bottom line, I think that there's no coincidence that the rock Dwayne, the rock Johnson yep. purchased the XFL yep. this year. Yep. And he is so, so loved and so well known and a former football player himself at the university of Miami That's and right. very well decorated that he could start talking to these kids and getting them out of college football, playing in the XFL and having that be a little brother sport to go into the, uh, the NFL. Yeah. Well, I like anything Dwayne, the rock Johnson does. And I think he's probably going to hit a presidential ticket in 2028. Let's be honest. Was he born in America? Um, Do we have another birther controversy? You know what? Kamala. Yeah. The whole thing. Um, by then there won't be any laws left, so it's going to be fine. Dwayne for Prez. And you just put like Tony Robbins on the ticket and then he just stares you in the eye and you got these two humongous human beings who are just dropping inspirational monologues constantly. Sounds great. What a phenomenal cabinet that'd be. Right? I mean, that's that's huge. Hit him with a top drawer. Secretary of Defense, probably Oprah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oprah's in there. I think he could count because he's from like the Samoas, America Samoas. Yeah. It's kind of in there. Yeah. American Samoa. I think it's a territory. I don't know if we've ever had uh, anybody. Kyle, historical check. Have we had any nominees from the territories? American Samoa? I don't think so. But yeah, the XFL, we talked about it probably last time you were on here, maybe two times removed. The XFL has so much potential where it will have the 
pizzazz of pro football, but it won't have the same size and restrictions. And you'd be able to sell a lot of Jersey space for ads. The players will be like living NASCARs. You'll have, uh, Terrell Smith brought to you in part by Arby's Pornhub and DraftKings, And he's just running it. That's a kid I could stand behind. Let me tell you though. I think that that's watch it happen. Watch a couple of years go by and watch him go toe to toe with college football. And just start poaching these kids. Because let me tell you, no one's going to want to watch a bunch of cheese blocks from middle America. No athleticism, no turbo button on Madden. Just run around when you could be tuning into the Rocks, XFL, Youth League, Young Americans, pre-NFL. And they're just lightning fast, lighting up the screen. And it's just a good time. Well, okay. Let me ask you this. You're shopping for a video game. You're 12 years old. You're actually going to rent a video game from Blockbuster. Your folks, they've already rented Field of Dreams and you're like, ah, it's been there, done that. I've seen it. And it's on you to rent a video game. Are you going to take the NC2A N64 cartridge featuring, I don't know, some bozo? Or are you going to pick up NFL Blitz, which is clearly analogous with the XFL. Like I'm going blitz every time and I'm running the play dub bomb. Yes. So that's the XFL, is it not? There's your answer. So let's wrap this up because I've been thinking about something in a big way. It's been on my mind for a little too long, to be honest with you. You know me. I know you. We're both big Olympics guys. We love international sports. We love high stakes competition. And I'm still, there's a Olympic size hole left in my sports fan heart with the 2020 Tokyo games getting scratched. So I go here often on the Derby cast, you know, I do. And I've got an idea for a new sporting competition and it's got some international flair. It is very different from anything that exists right now. There'd be a lot of sports gambling on it. And let me like drum roll, please. Just the NPL. What's that? The National Pirate League. And you could take it the the IPL. You could go International Pirate League, but maybe you just roll it out as a national thing. So pirating seems to be on the rise in a in a society-wide basis, like looting, raping, pillaging. And it's like, why aren't we televising this and at least getting Bob Menery to call it? Because that guy's a sports caster who just no network will touch, but he's the best out there. I would get Menery to call the pirate games. And I just need to kind of massage this idea with you for a second. I think you're really onto something. And I just want to say, wow. The question is, is like, is it a team sport? Is it an individual? Are you going to compete in multiple events? So like if player X comes in, are they strictly a swashbuckler or do they also compete in like treasure hunting and pistolier dueling and whiskey chugging and rape? That's going to be the kind of the, the big competitions. You're a really sharp guy and you're a big rapist. No, no, come on, come on. I'm just saying you're a sharp guy who knows how to organize some serious stuff. So like, what are you, how would you organize this? Let me just kind of let's pepper around the beautiful beach ball that is 
the NPL. I love this for so many reasons. It was, as we talk about futuristic sports, as we even just talk about what COVID has left us with. I'm Team Tortuga, quite frankly. But one band, one sound. Good, sir. You can't pick one pirate because they're all under one ship. So the swashbuckler is no better than the captain or the first mate or the guy in the brig. Well, that's actually not true because I, I was lo- researching some pirate code. Uh, I had Kyle send me some articles. So pirate code, it varied from ship to ship. And so each organization would kind of have its own rules relative to the spoils of each competition. Sometimes a captain would get a 2x share and a quartermaster would get a 1.5x share and then the rest of the crew would get a 1x. So if you're the captain, I support you getting 2x. Also, I'm fully I'll, on board with that. I'm just saying for the purposes of, of creating this league, we're not going to want to know that necessarily the details of what's happening on each ship and who's fighting who on the ship. It's all about who's taking who down out in the open ocean or where we're landing. But so, you're telling me you wouldn't watch a reality show like Behind the Cannonball, Captain Greenbeard? Right. HBO Hard Knocks NPL. Yeah. Like, no, I would. Yeah. I would. But we're picking, we're picking team for team here. Once you, you, know, you hang your hat with that, that medieval times horse, Team Blue, whatever it is, then you can get into the intricacies of it. But in my opinion, this is your creation. Who am I? But to no, televise no, no. I'm bringing you in on this. That's who you are. I think to get the standings right. You, you are know. now a co-founder of the NPL. And you know, Dana White's just going to steal the thing from us. But like, yeah, that's what he we does. can dream. That's what he does. He's got listeners. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got spies on the Derby cast. He always has, always will. Because he knows that this is the future of sports. And he's, you know, a forward thinker. He's just not very creative or like high integrity. So let's talk about this. So I like a high stakes blood sport. Like, I don't know about you, but I think... Because our society seems to be uh, showing similarities to the collapse of Rome and that the only way that you really kept the people in check as society was falling down around them was through what was called bread and circuses. And that was primarily spearheaded by the blood sport of the Colosseum, Hippodrome, chariot battles. I say we bring that back. I've said that for a number of weeks now, a number of Derby Cast Monday sports. but. I wouldn't mind seeing some really high stakes battles where it's like, and let me float this out here. In any sport, in any activity that can be considered competitive in any way, shape or form, there is a quote unquote Michael Jordan of the activity. Yes. Goats. Right. So a player who is game defining and rules of the league are custom tailored to limit their abilities. Like where Hack-A-Shack was implemented for Shaquille O'Neal, like what is the equivalent for the NPL when you've got some pirate whose bandolier is just full of hollow points and he is so deadly with a single shot musket. And if you stand on the broadside of his cannon fire, you're getting a lot of grape shot to the tummy. Like look no further than DC Cormier. Wow. Let's look at some of the historical. No, greats. I think that's how we bring it full circle is we bring DC in. Cause he's clearly, he's living a pirate lifestyle already with that belly. You know, he's all about tuna Fritos and, uh, and rum. A lot of rum. Yeah. So historical greats, the goats, Blackbeard. you've got uh, Jack Sparrow, you've got hook, you've got Epstein. <laughs> it, all very different kinds of 
uh, piracy. Yeah. Thieves, you know, some steal treasure, other, others steal children's lives. Innocence. Yeah. So yeah. Blackbeard, Redbeard, you know, who gives a shit? <laughs> Blackbeard, Redbeard, who gives a shit? <laughs> wow. Nice little happy Gilmore find there. I like that. I think it's got so much potential. We want to keep all the players safe though. You want to keep the players safe? <laughs> no. Like, don't you love that bullshit line that comes out of every sports league or oh, business sure. period where it's like, right. listen, we just care about everyone's safety and health. It's like, no, you're a business. You care about the money. And if you didn't, you'd go out of business uh, or you wouldn't be as successful. Your, your success would uh, be stunted by another company. So, yeah, it's, I would love hearing the NPL just have an oppressor on the weekly and be like, listen, our number one goal is to, scurvy. Keep, is to keep the players scurvy free and uh, and out there having fun and competing. Right. That's it. Sail the open seas, baby. I think that this is obviously a, a topic for much deeper discussion. I, I think the next point to really lift this off would be to figure out how to engage with an existing pirate, much like I'm sure these Indian tribes all talk. They all know what's up. They're all meeting somewhere discussing the pieces of eight. And I think that we got to figure out how do we get in front of them? How do we discuss what they want? And are they cool with a GoPro on the ship? Right. Well, how do we do it right? Because there's a lot of intercultural sensitivity kind of demands to that. Like we got to be pretty, we got to tread lightly when it comes to these pirates. They're sensitive beings. And I got to say like, hey, listen, we just want to run this by you. Ethically, do you think it would be okay if we filmed you uh, doing piracy? And I don't know, some of these guys, maybe they'd be a little camera shy. But at the end of the day, I think we owe it to this great nation of ours to continue to push the boundaries of sports. Let's get the right people involved. Let's get Mentory calling the games. Let's get DC a Victorian pirate hat. Let's stuff the hulls of ships with dried apricots. Why not? Like, why the hell not? Is, is there anything that you would really, really like to see in the NPL? Would the championship be finding treasure? Would it be defeating a Kraken? Would it be? It's going to be nothing less than watching those two ships park side by side, letting those cannons come right out of the side of those boats. And then having a bunch of pirates swing back and forth from side to side and just seeing a bloodbath. That's what we want. That's yeah. what Jean-Claude Van Damme wants. I would really love to see uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, JCVD, head up a pirate ship. Just maybe as a coach. Maybe he's on land barking orders from a megaphone and be like, use your effort. Like, that's kind of what he would say, right? Right. <laughs> I think this is huge. I think it's a big idea. I'm not even sure if we should release this podcast because someone's going to poach it. And I don't know which group of pirates are a little bit more commercially based than others that we could reach out to and talk to and kind of drum up the idea, warm the waters, so to speak. But I want to I want to look further into it. I want to see what can happen. Well, let's just make the distinction that you made at the beginning of this where make no mistake about it. This pirate league will have its roots in Tortuga and not Somalia, because like I don't necessarily want to see dudes with AK-47s on speedboats peppering each other. I want to see some old-fashioned gunpowder loaded into the chamber. I want to see Davy Two-Toes just doing it right. He's suffering from an extreme spell of gout. 
and he's still showing up and he's doing a lot of damage.com. We want to see purity in the sport. That's it. That's it. There's got to be rules. You got to draw it somewhere. But you know what? I think that's going to wrap it for today's Derby cast. Little Monday sports. Matty J, you're the man. It's great having you on as always. Hope to get you back more frequently because you just light up the world of sports in a way that I positively can't. And I appreciate the heat, hustle, energy, and noise that you bring each and every time. Appreciate you, Kyle. We're still on for REI after this. He's giving me the finger. We'll, we'll deal with that. Well, and that finger's a hard thumbs up. Yeah, I think you guys are going to go get some, uh, some camel packs. Darby cast.